0: What is up everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is coming on in just a minute to talk about week 12 of the NFL season. But first, later this week, we're going to go on a podcast called Certified Beef that you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to us. You can check out Certified Beef. Really fun podcast with some of our friends who are big Minnesota fans. They want to have us on so I can talk about my very disappointing Thanksgiving with the Patriots losing to the Minnesota Vikings in grueling fashion so of course i'm really really looking forward to that <laughs> i'm sure it's going to be a really fun podcast so i will keep you guys updated on when that drops make sure that you go check them out really uh cool guys over there and we enjoy working with them so but for now matt and i are on to week 12 let's go oh. All right, Matt is here to talk about week 12 of the NFL season. Matt, I saw you this past weekend. You did. I know. We got to watch an awesome Michigan domination in Ohio Stadium in Ohio. Glorious football game that we watched with uh, some other friends and my son. Yeah. Who I told my wife that unfortunately for her, Maddox is just one of the boys now. I was like, he spent a whole Saturday watching football and drinking beers with the boys. He's just one of the (laughs) boys now. I don't know what to tell you.
1: Yeah, he was just crushing beers. We really couldn't stop. Just
0: smashing them. I told Marley, I was like, yeah, we had a couple beers and Maddox was drinking his milk, so everybody had their drink of choice. We're hanging out, watching the game, but awesome win. And now the inside track for our home state Wolverines to go to the college football playoffs again. And maybe a national championship. We're going to have to see the rankings are coming out soon. So we're going to have to see kind of where they're at and then where they're at after conference championship weekend this weekend.
1: I believe they actually just came out it is currently. Yep. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC.
0: Yeah. I, I like Michigan's chances against TCU for sure. Mm-hmm. What I don't like, I just hope that we have like a clean conference championship weekend where all four favorites win because like if USC loses to Utah, all of a sudden we're in a super sticky situation with USC, Alabama and Ohio State all sitting there. And I just like, just give me like drama free. I like these four teams. I like this playoff, especially because Caleb Williams is the quarterback I'm most excited about over the next couple NFL drafts. Little teaser for the co- the college football quarterback Patreon that we're working on, and I want to yeah. see I want to see him versus Georgia. And I think, like in that scenario, Georgia and Michigan is probably our national championship, and that feels right for the season that we just had.
1: Right now, it's hard to argue that those are not the two best teams.
0: Yeah, especially after what we just saw on Saturday. There's no way. Right. But on to something not as fun. As the college football playoff. Monday Night Football Week 12, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeat the Indianapolis Colts 24-17 in, can I call it the most meh
1: game of the season so far? I mean, that would actually be saying something because there's been quite a few of those. I had some fantasy
0: implications in the game last night, so I had... Like a reason to watch it but i was thinking that really outside of that i'm not super interested in either of these teams i didn't like it was a stay away for me from a gambling perspective with what we've seen from these teams for the last couple of weeks and it there's no big like national story with these guys right now it's not like you know last week i think was eagles and commanders monday night football and like that was yeah, entertaining because there's like the upset, the Eagles' undefeated streak is broken. I-, I had to sit down while I was doing the notes today and really think about what to talk about here <laughs> with the Steelers and the Colts because I was like, I'm just meh, I'm meh on both of them. I
1: guess you know, the Colts, you can talk about the minor resurgence of Matt Ryan, but like that's. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, we,
0: we won't spend a ton of time here, but this is what I came up with. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a completely different team when TJ Watt is out on the field. Yes. This may sound like very reductive and very like people are going to be like, duh. Like, of course, he's one of the best players, if not like the def- best defensive player in the league right now. But they're three and one with him and one and six without him this season. Yeah, on the season through 12 weeks, they're 25th in yards allowed. But in the last three games that he's been back from his pectoral injury, he suffered in week one, they are ninth. So, I mean, if I was a Steelers fan, I'd probably be sitting there thinking how different could our season have been if he had been healthy. But I don't know even then that it's a big enough difference to make you a playoff team. Maybe you're like a fringe playoff team right now because they had a couple losses that were by less than one score, and maybe he flips one or two of those.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it gets them to the other side of 500, and that's where they need to get to really like be in it. In it. I think there's too many problems with that roster.
0: Especially along the offensive line. I'm going to lose it. If they don't draft an offensive lineman in the first round, I am going to like, I'm sure me and all of Pittsburgh, we're all going to lose our shit. Yeah. They need to draft a tackle. I was looking at their PFF grades for the offensive line today. They're sent. Well, it's not like, <laughs> it's not the worst. I mean, it's not good, but it's definitely, it's not like <laughs> the worst, uh, at least on the interior. So their center is 14th out of 39 qualified centers. Yeah. Yeah. Their guards are 14th and 26th out of 84 qualified guards. It's like, it's not great, but it's not the worst, you know? Their tackles are 57th and 60th out of 76 qualified tackles. Yeah. (laughs) That is not good.
1: Yeah, no, their offensive line is terrible. They have two terrible tackles and... To average at best starters in their center and one of their guards. Like that is atrocious.
0: <laughs> it's bad. And they knew it was bad when they drafted Najee Harris. They knew it was bad when they didn't draft an offensive lineman in the first round this past season. They drive me crazy. They really yeah. do. Cause there's so much talent at other spots on that roster Like, I I think if you look back at our draft coverage, like you were right about George Pickens being a stud at the next level. He's been great. Deontay Johnson's good. I kind of like Kenny Pickett. We'll see. It's rookie season. And then, like, defensively, you got Watt. That's, I mean, just having TJ Watt on your defense is, like, pretty much enough to know that your defense is going to at least be solid when he's healthy. But the offensive line, man. Yeah. Absolutely brutal, and I feel bad saying that because there's a Western Michigan alumni along the offensive line, but yeah. Ugh.
1: Yeah, it's it's rough to watch.
0: <laughs> is bad. On the Colt side of things, I've determined that one of two things is true. So either one of these things are true or both are. And you tell me. Either Frank Reich is really horrible at coaching or being a coach is just extremely easy
1: (laughs) or both I think what we're seeing with the Colts right now is nobody has any fucking clue where Jeff Saturday is coming from so they don't have anything to plan for I think that is currently working to his benefit. I don't think he's good. I don't think that Frank Reich is particularly good as a coach. I think that he caught lightning in a bottle in Philly. And then he had Jonathan Taylor. And he got some extra credit for that. I don't think he's a terrible coach, but like, I think he's out of his, I think he was out of his depth for sure. Potentially. Yeah. The reason I
0: say that is because like you said, the Colts pulled Jeff Saturday off an ESPN set. Yeah. And as we all know, the bar for NFL knowledge to work at ESPN is extremely low.
1: Yeah.
0: Like ESPN analysts are the people I trust least in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> especially Mel Kuyper. And they took yeah. this, they took this guy and put him in charge of the Colts. He had only coached high school football before then. And the Colts are as good, if not better as they were under Frank Reich, at least this season. Yeah. You know, they, they win that Vegas game on the road. They play a pretty good game against Philly and lose it the last minute. And then the Steelers game, man, okay. They're coming back down to earth. But like for them to be competent with Jeff Saturday as head coach just makes me think that head coaches do absolutely nothing.
1: Some of the stuff that they need to be doing is pretty common sense. And talked about it on this podcast a number of times. A lot of these coaches just talk themselves out of doing the common sense thing that's in their best interest. Chief among them giving the ball to your best player a lot, you know, that is something that Jeff Saturday has more so done since he's taken over less. So on Monday, but primarily he has realized, Hey, giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor, seems like a good idea. Yeah. He had Taylor
0: had 23 touches again yesterday which you know you could probably give him more honestly yeah. but yeah the <laughs> I do just kind of feel like that's what coaching comes down to though is like we could do this is where we're like yeah. okay the Eagles should just give Miles Sanders the ball more like it yeah. just makes sense right so we could just go in and be the coach and be like, okay offensive coordinator guy you're you're gonna call all the plays but I want you to call more plays for Miles Sanders and I'm your boss now so you got to do it It just seems, it doesn't seem hard. It really doesn't. And it seems like that's what Jeff Saturday did yesterday. He's like, you know, what if we just gave the ball to Taylor and Pittman the whole time? (laughs) Like, what if we got more touches for the better guys on our team and less touches for the not better guys? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they lost, but it seemed like it was working for a while there.
1: Thing with Miles Sanders that blows my mind is like, We've never seen like a 20 25 touch game for Miles Sanders where it was like eh, every time he gets the ball, uh, it's a huge game. <laughs> like, this, that's not a hard stream of data to follow.
0: I think they just overthink it. I mean, so speaking of giving Miles Sanders the ball, Sunday Night Football. The Eagles defeat the Packers 40 to 33. Yeah. Miles Sanders touches the ball 24 times for over 150 yards and two touchdowns. Yep. In a game where the Eagles ran absolute roughshod over the Packers 363 rushing yards, I believe the 16th highest total ever in an NFL game. And I text you during the game, and I was like, look at the Eagles. Giving Miles Sanders the ball and shit. They listen to the podcast.
1: That or Miles apologized for piping Siriana's wife.
0: Something happened there. So I was watching this game the other night, and I was thinking that I think on a weekly basis at this point, we're watching the final podcast passing of the torch from the last generation of quarterbacks to the new. And I think that people would look at that and say, Adam, the new quarterbacks took over a while ago. We have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and all these young exciting guys. But I will remind you that six of the last eight Super Bowls have been won by Tom Brady, Matt Stafford and Peyton Manning. And Aaron Rodgers has won the last two MVPs. So as great as the young crop of quarterbacks is we haven't seen them like fully grasp the NFL by the reins yet, right? But we're at a point now with these guys and their teams where the Rams, you know, I'm, I'm throwing Stafford in here with the mm-hmm. older generation, but the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers are not Super Bowl contenders. Ew. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the Bucks can do if they get into the playoffs. But on the surface, they're not Super Bowl contenders. Those guys are not in the MVP conversation the best quarterbacks in the league are now all the younger guys. Right. So we've seen the torch start to be passed with the retirements of like Drew Brees and Phillip rivers and uh, Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. And these guys start to go. But I feel like this is kind of like the dying breath of the generation of quarterbacks that we grew up with. And we're just watching it on a week to week basis.
1: Honestly, kind of ugly to watch. Um, seems like Tampa's going to make the playoffs just by default Uh, because that division is just atrocious. God, like, if you're another playoff team, how frustrating is that for you to see Tom Brady still make the playoffs below 500?
0: Well, this is the thing, (laughs) is that no matter how bad Tampa's record is at the end of the season, do you want to play them? in the first round at Tampa Bay? Hell no. Hell no. Right. Like the, the Cowboys are in that spot right now. If you're the Cowboys, do you want to go play Tom Brady in the playoffs on the road?
1: I'm the Cowboys. I don't want to play anyone because I'm the Cowboys. I mean, Tom, I think like, this is
0: hard for me to say because I'm a huge Tom fan, obviously not so much the last couple of years, more the previous <laughs> 20, but I, I think that, we may really be at the precipice of the cliff for him. I was watching the Bucks and Browns game the other day, and it's like 1710 Bucks. And he he's like, you're ready for like the Tom Brady, put him away, drive, drive down and get a field goal. Game's over. Don't get it. It goes to overtime. They get two drives in overtime and they punt both drives. And Tom is like, short arming throws. He's missing throws that he's made in his sleep for the last 23 seasons. It just might, it just might be time, especially with all of the stuff that's gone on in his personal life this year. It's it's like, it's tough to watch, man. It's tough to watch him lose to Jacoby Brissett.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's obviously Bill should have just given him the job all those years ago.
0: That's (laughs) hey, man. Brissette won a game with a broken thumb for the Patriots. He was yeah. playing with a broken thumb on his throwing hand and they won. <laughs> Put that out there. I like me some Jacoby Brissett. Unfortunately, he is going to lose his job starting this weekend, which sucks to for a right. mass race. Yeah. I was going to say it sucks for a number of reasons. Uh, You know, on the Packers side too of this, like Aaron Rodgers was really bad. The Packers yeah. scored 33 points and he was horrible. And I know he's like, I know he's like playing through injury all of a sudden in air quotes now that he's yeah. not played well for 11 weeks, but it got to the point where it was so bad on Sunday that he pulled himself out of the game and then Jordan love comes in and then less than a quarter throws for over a hundred yards and a touchdown. So yeah. like, it's not like the Eagles were playing particularly great defense on Sunday.
1: No. A guy that I was not particularly high on, Christian Watson, has really turned it around. Um, He's figured out how to catch the ball a little bit. So um, we'll see if he can continue to do that. Knock on wood. But there's always been this narrative of like, oh, Aaron Rodgers makes all these wide receivers. And to see... Aaron Rodgers play so terribly, take himself out of a game, and then oh, watch Jordan Love go in and essentially immediately lead a touchdown drive to that very same player who's been breaking out. Like it just shows you that not only was that like probably never really the case, but this is it for him. Like, he's not coming back from this. He's not turning it around to be this elite quarterback ever again. Like, those days are gone. He just doesn't have the juice anymore.
0: The really brutal thing about it, too, is that they just signed him to a three-year $150 million extension with $101 million guaranteed. That is actually my favorite part about it. (laughs) That is rough. Matt, is this the highest my Jordan Love stock is ever going to be? Oh,
1: absolutely. Mm,
0: I feel like I'm still operating at a loss over here, but I'm wondering if I should sell, kind of at least cover some of my cost basis, because I really think that this may be the high point of Jordan Love's career, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I think... The most concerning part is that you bought Jordan stock in the first place. <laughs> I, I think I got caught up in the Patrick Mahomes
0: era where we're all just like, like look at the things that Patrick Mahomes does. And you look at other quarterbacks who do like a diet version of that. And you're like, well, that could be good. And like Jordan Love was making like the off platform throws. He had the strong arm. Yeah. I still kind of secretly believe in him. <laughs> I have to, what's my other choice, Matt?
1: Uh, admit that he's a worse version of Mitch Trubisky. Mm. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky never mm. went six for
0: nine in a fourth quarter. I'll tell you that. Uh,
1: I mean, I'm sure he did better than that against the lions. because Matt Patricia couldn't
0: coach against him. Oh, that's probably true. But mm-hmm. I do think that that is like a hard thing with quarterback evaluations though, is that, the best quarterbacks in the league right now are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And so you like, you look for those types of traits and just like those traits aren't repeatable. The things that those guys can do, they're special players. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, well this guy's like athletic, like, you know, Trey Lance, I was big on Trey Lance too. It's like, well, he's big and he can run. So does, can he have that Josh Allen type of like strong arm? And then you can run him a lot in the run game and he's trucking people. Those things just aren't repeatable, though. We're not going to find that in every draft class. Yeah. And there's different things that make other quarterbacks like Burrow and Herbert special. So, like, I think we're going to have to take that as a lesson for quarterback evaluations in the future is like, don't look for these unicorn traits that some of these guys have. Look for like the things that give you a solid football player.
1: You need to figure out what are your baseline traits that you need right there needs to be a certain level of accuracy they need to be able to make decisions quick on the fly uh there needs to be some level of maneuverability at, unless you want to be in the position of watching Jared Goff 17 Sundays a year uh do not recommend that but hey there was like know, a Thursday strength, in there too yeah just but then, like, you you also need to, you know, identify, like, okay, so what is their signature trait, and is that a signature trait that's going to translate to the next level? If they don't have that, then they're almost certainly just going to be a guy, and it's incredibly hard to win in the NFL if your quarterback is just a guy.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of teams that are living that right now. It's like Anthony Richardson, the quarterback at Florida. There's like a 99% chance that he's not Josh Allen, but on the 1% chance that he is, (laughs) (laughs) it's tantalizing. I also think like where you get drafted is so important. Yeah. Maybe Jordan Love would be a little bit better right now if he was like on a team that was developing him and not, sitting behind a quarterback who is telling him and Deshaun Kaiser that they should look closer into 9-11. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. But on the Eagle side of the game, too, the media machine in Philly is starting to really hype up Jalen Hurts as an MVP candidate. You know that they're trying to get it rolling when you see articles like 10 amazing, mind-blowing stats about Jalen Hurts. Just an article I read today from NBC Philadelphia. Uh he's second in odds for the MVP right now, plus 350. I still think it's Mahomes award to lose. He's minus 140 yeah. right now. And I, I don't think he will lose that. I think you could probably book Mahomes right now, barring something bad happening. But I do think about like where we were with Hertz at the beginning of this season and where we are after 12 weeks and what an incredible leap he's made to even get to this level
1: yeah i i'll give him credit in that like he has executed his role in their offense exactly the way that they've envisioned it my questions just remain as to when it comes to playoff time and better defenses require him to do more as a drop back passer. Like are are you able to do that at that level? Um if he's able to do that, then like I'm entirely sold. I just I need to see it.
0: Yeah, he has a few cause... interesting games coming up too. They have the Titans this week and then they're gonna have Dallas again in yeah. a couple weeks too. It might give us a little bit better idea of what's going to happen in December or January area or February, or wherever however long that nfl playoffs take yeah i was thinking about it though and like think about if he is the future at quarterback on that team and it's weird that we're like looking at a dude who's having an mvp candidate level season and saying like "Eh, i don't know he may not be the future we still gotta find out (laughs) we'll be he'll win the super bowl and you and i will still be sitting here like
1: "Eh, i
0: don't know know. what happens when he plays a better defense (laughs) But if he is the future, if they determine that he's the future, the flexibility that that gives them in their team-building strategy this offseason is incredible. If the season ended right now, they would have the sixth pick in the NFL draft, courtesy of the Saints. Which, like we said last week, man, the fuck-them-picks era is going to be real bad for some teams this offseason. God. And we talked about it on the draft show last year, where we were like, hey, they may not get their quarterback this season, but think about all the picks they have coming up the next couple seasons, they could like trade up and get their guy. Well, if Hertz is their guy, they don't have to do that. And they can take like an elite level talent at six, whether that's like an edge rusher or a DB or, you know, whatever that ends yes. up being offensive lineman, you're adding an elite piece to your team because you do have a quarterback who's on his rookie deal. And we, we see what a huge
1: advantage that is. They've already got AJ Brown. I've got Devontae Smith. They're sitting in a spot at six where they can very realistically take the number one wide receiver in the draft and just completely break the NFL with trying to, you know, guard that shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot that they can do with that pick. (laughs) It's, a good draft for some of the premium positions in the NFL right now. And if you don't need a quarterback and the teams around you do then (laughs) uh, I like the spot. So they're in first in the NFC. Very likely going to finish as the number one seed. Our NFC playoff picture is Philly, Minnesota, San Fran, Tampa, Dallas, the giants and the fighting Georges right now. The AFC is Casey, Miami, Tennessee, Baltimore, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and the Jets. So we have six weeks left. Do you think, are you feeling pretty secure with these being the playoff teams? Or do you think that there's anybody else out there who could kind of sneak in?
1: I just think that that NFC wildcard picture is so jam-packed that Anything can happen still. So, like, there's just, there's so much that can transpire there. Uh, you know, check back in three weeks and see where we are. But, you know, one of those teams that's not in there right now, what if they go on a three-game win streak? That changes things dramatically for them. I mean, any any of them. You know, just now. Granted, they are both—they're all below 500, so they're probably not going to go on a three-game win streak. Because if they're going on three-game win streaks, probably not below 500. But um,
0: Matt's trying so hard not to say. He's like, yeah, any four and seven NFL <laughs> team that's based in Detroit, Michigan, could go on a three-game named win streak. after
1: some sort of large predatory cat.
0: I'm wearing my my Lions yes. hoodie that I bought while I was doing work with the Lions. He's right actually
1: never been more attractive than he is right now.
0: I wanna do I do want to tell you while we're talking about the Lions, I'm very disappointed in you guys because during on Thanksgiving, while you guys were playing the bills and things were going well, I was actually writing a segment for the podcast. I was gonna start the podcast by pulling a six-pack of blue Kool-Aid out from under my desk. And I was going to start pounding them (laughs) in front of you. I was like, I'm I'm buying in. We're going 11 and 6. Go Detroit. And then you guys lost. And I had to scrap my blue Kool-Aid idea. And now I'm drinking water. (laughs) The most boring, but also most nurturing of drinks.
1: Yeah. uh, I am no happier about that than you are. Just too many mistakes. Not that they made like an excessive amount of mistakes, but when you are playing a team as talented as Josh Allen, <laughs> a team you, as uh, talented as Josh Allen, you are you are not allowed to make very many mistakes. Uh, chief among those, you know, a dumb as hell roughing the passer when you were about to get them in third and ten, giving them an easy first and goal. Yeah, I I want to apologize to the
0: city of Detroit and the greater Metro Detroit area because it was my fault they lost. They were yeah. they were playing well, things were going well. Matt texted me and said, "I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it." Yep. And I thought back to last week when you suggested that we should all bet on the Lions money line, and I was like, "We're going to start calling them the Money Lions," and then they lost. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. That's uh. I should have learned my lesson on you. No, I should have learned my lesson when I said that Nick Foles will never beat Tom Brady in a. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't learn it then. Can't learn it now. Let's go. Money Lions. (laughs) That was going to be the title of this episode. If you guys beat the bills, the money lions. I love it.
1: Love it. God, I hope you guys go on a win
0: streak so we could do that segment. I want some blue Kool-Aid.
1: I mean, it's it's setting up for that to be a real possibility. Um, obviously, the Jags are next. Uh, that is absolutely a winnable game. I believe after that, they have the Vikings. Yeah, they have the Vikings at home. And we talked several weeks ago about how they had the Vikings dead in the water. Uh, Jameson Williams actually should more than likely be back for that game. So their offense should be even more dangerous at that point. The Jets, who we don't even, I'm assuming Mike White is going to be their starting quarterback, who might be good, but if he's not, then we should be able to beat him, but I'm not sure. This is the problem,
0: is that, like, we talked about this last week, we're like, oh yeah, the Jets game, that doesn't look so intimidating. And then all of a sudden, Mike White is like, So, like, Mike White looks good against the Bears, and, like, granted, it's the Bears. They're not very good, especially without Fields. But now all the stories are coming out that you'd want to see out of your starting quarterback where it's, like, the locker room loves Mike White. He's their favorite person ever. People would die for Mike White. And meanwhile, like, Zach Wilson sitting on the bench by himself while Mike White is doing tape with, like, the other backup quarterbacks and the QB coach during the game. I'm like, dude, Zach Wilson is fucked, man. I, yeah, we talked about him being a bust last week, but like for Mike white to come in and for the Mm -hmm. team to look that good instantly. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. So all of a sudden, like that game might be a little bit more intimidating than we thought it was.
1: Yeah. My, my biggest concern for Zach Wilson coming out was adjusting to living outside of that BYU bubble. And he is struggling with that. Uh, yeah. I talked yeah. about that on the
0: talked about that on the draft podcast too that i I had knocked him down a couple spots after New York took him because I was like, I just don't know how he's gonna do in New York.
1: yeah, like and that's
0: gonna be tough for him.
1: You know the real reason why Mike White's teammates just love him so much because he's not Zach Wilson, probably also that. But because they fucking won, when your quarterback wins you games, like you tend to like them a lot. They won shitty qualities that make you hate them when they start losing games. Yeah,
0: everything's better when you win. But like he won, and he was getting the ball to dudes. Yeah, I mean, like Wilson had a good game. Elijah Moore had a good game. (laughs) Like I thought he was dead. The like (laughs) Conklin Uzoma got involved. Oh my goodness, like. He was like twenty-two of twenty-eight for three hundred and thirty yards, and they're just like, "Wow, I can actually catch the ball. It's not hitting the turf like five yards in front of me. This is great." So, yeah, maybe a little bit more intimidating. Um, back yeah. to my original question, I kind of, I kind of don't see like any of these four and seven teams really popping up to challenge for a spot right now. I kind of, I like the way that the Raiders have been playing the last couple of weeks. Honestly, they had. Mm -hmm. a huge win against the Seahawks this past Sunday. But I I think like you got the jets and the chargers right on the end of that wild card spot. And I kind of think it's going to come down to the two of them in the AFC. We're not going to talk about my shit dick team. We're saving that we're going on certified beef to do an entire podcast about the Patriots losing on Thanksgiving. So that's something you guys can all look forward to. And then in the NFC, I just kind of, you got like the Fighting Georges, the Giants, and the Sea Chickens are kind of all within two games of each other, one game. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that that's the race right there. But, you know, every year, this time of year, we see somebody get hot. Could be the Lions, could be the Raiders, could be someone else mm-hmm. and start kind of climbing up the ladder rapidly. So you never know. There's something to keep an eye on
1: there's definitely some of those divisional games left in the NFC East still to be played and that's clearly going to result in some losses to uh these teams that are sitting in wildcard spots right now uh that just opens doors for teams like you know the sea chickens and the falcons And if they really get hot, Alliance. That door is just cracked open ever so slightly. And it seems like maybe looking at it right now, that that's maybe not such a big deal. But having watched the way seasons unfold kind of towards the end for so many years, that is a very big deal.
0: It definitely is. I just, I love Lions fans. So actually I'm wearing my Lions hoodie today as an apology to all the Lions fans in my life who I screwed over by <laughs> saying it out loud on Thanksgiving. But one of my best friends lives in California and he goes to a Lions bar to watch all the games. And he sent us a video from the Lions bar that said 11 and six, here we come <laughs> after they were up. And then after the game, he texts me and goes 10 and seven. That was his only response. He wasn't disappointed in the game. He knew they lost. He's just like 10 and 7. There it is. If
1: you're a Lions fan, after that game, like, yeah, you're disappointed you lose, but you can't watch that game, know who you're going up against, and be disappointed in the way they played. Like, certainly there were some mistakes that I wish that they had back, but. You went toe-to-toe with a team that many people still think is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And three weeks ago, you had one win.
0: So. (laughs) Yep. I like it. We won't talk about the other Thanksgiving games too much because, like I said, we're going to go do a whole podcast with certified beef about all the mistakes my team made on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But what we are going to do, we got two more segments left. We're going to do random thoughts first, and then we're going to save the most important segment for last. So random thoughts from week 12 brought to you by a sponsor to be named later. If you are listening to this podcast and you own a business and would like to advertise with us, you could just sponsor random thoughts. We'll just we'll say your company's name every week and maybe like a little blurb about what you want us to say and then as all the business starts rolling into your company then you can pay us. Yeah, that's a deal. Hit us up, business owners at Fallout Sports on Twitter. Random thought number 1, week 12 of the NFL season. It will never not be hilarious to me when a professional athlete gets pissed at a random fan on Twitter. It's funny every time. On Sunday, the Ravens lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars on a last-minute two-point conversion, and a random fan took to Twitter to basically say, these games shouldn't always have to come down to Justin Tucker. Why would we pay Lamar Jackson $25-plus a year, or whatever he's asking for, when he can't even beat the Jacksonville Jags? Lamar Jackson responded, and I quote, boy... Shut the fuck up. Y'all be capping too much on this app. Motherfucker never smelt a football field, never did shit, but eat dick. It just every time they snap at Twitter randos, it it's awesome. And of course, it was deleted like 10 seconds later. But the Internet's memory is forever. Yeah, I
1: think it was like three and a half hours, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Which is way too long for the Internet. You know how many retweets it probably got in that amount of time? Oh yeah. It's like when <laughs>
0: Wing Shack earlier this year just tweeted out the word fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody retweeted it. I retweeted it from our account. I was just like, <clears throat> me when I leave my best fantasy player on the bench. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's relatable, right? Like we all have that heat of the moment, like someone's you're getting in an argument or you're upset and you see something on social media and you want to just like, let him have it. But if I was an agent, my number one piece of advice to any pro athlete would be delete your social media. Just don't have it because it's too easy to do something stupid like this. And now he's getting dragged through this whole, like, Oh, you there, there's people out there being like, you can't pay him $250 million contract because of how he acts like this. And you know, so his choice of words were was very poor and there's a lot of people who are calling him homophobic at this point as well. I, I get, He got caught up in the heat of the moment and he did this. Yeah. But it just is always funny to me when pro athletes do it.
1: I laugh every time. Yeah, I mean. When I had originally heard about this, I hadn't seen what he had actually said. And I had heard that there was, you know, some like language about like sexual orientation and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't sound good. And as soon as I found out what he actually said, I was like, bad choice for sure. Didn't come off as something where it was like, that was what he was trying to convey (laughs) it seemed like that was something where he was trying to turn a phrase and it was a very poor choice of turn a phrase
0: yeah he probably could have used a better insult but like it's 2022 anyone can eat a dick anyone can eat a dick it's fine he didn't even necessarily say
1: that eating a dick is a
0: bad thing yeah he just said that's what that guy does Random thought number two, going for two points to win the game. Like, you know, when you're in the situation where you're down by seven, you score a touchdown with like 10 seconds left, and you got to decide if you're going to tie it with a PAT or you're going to go for two. Deciding to go for two is the ultimate results-based decision in all sports. Where if you get it, it's awesome and everybody's celebrating you. But like, if you don't get it, no one has ever gone for two and not gotten it. And people be like, oh, yeah, well, it was the right decision. <laughs> it's it's all or nothing. If you get it, it's the it's awesome. And what a great choice. If you don't get it, then you're a fucking moron every single time. Why would you do that? It's so stupid. The play call was so bad. It doesn't matter what the play call was. It was a bad play call because you didn't get it. We had two teams that converted that situation On Sunday, the Jacksonville Jags did it to beat the Ravens and the Chargers did it to beat the Cards. I I don't think that there is like we use math too much in the decision making. And that's what really bothers me is when people are like, well, the odds say, okay." I did this bit with Jim Harbaugh last year or John Harbaugh last year. I don't pay you to read a fucking sheet of paper and tell me what we should do on a football field. I need some heuristics. We need some gut feel of what we should do.